The full power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is contained in the Book of Mormon, period. Remember this declaration by Jesus himself. Whoso treasureth up my word shall not be deceived. And in the last days, neither your heart nor your faith will fail you. Bienvenidos! <laughs> Just kidding, y'all. Welcome to the Book of Mormon podcast, episode 85, aka 85. And I think I decided to speak in Spanish because right before this, Kevin <laughs> tried to say 85 in Spanish. Um, and I was reminded that it's important to this past week. Uh, I didn't tell Kevin this, but I was talking to my boss at work and we were talking about Spanish and how it's important to keep it up. Like if you had a mission language, because it can fade out if you're not using it every day. So anyway, side tangent, didn't plan on talking about that, but we are here, <laughs> Book of Mormon podcast, episode 85 in Mosiah 21, chapter 21. And I don't think we really have any housekeeping items, right? No. I just also want to formally apologize to the listeners on episode 84 <laughs> because I was not at my best on that podcast. Um, I had a lot of repenting to do after that episode. I couldn't even stand to listen to myself because I just was, I just needed to change some things and I wasn't, Kevin knows, I just talked to him before the podcast, so... Well, you it know, just we, goes to show we're not perfect. We've all got things that we need to do better. Uh, we all have a need to repent. And yeah, I mean, there's, uh, we need to make the scriptures a priority. Mm-hmm. Whether we are preparing for a weekly podcast, a lesson on Sunday, um, come or follow me. come follow me. You know, it's, it's a blessing, you know, you brought up the mission language Mm -hmm. and that's a blessing that your mission gave you Mm -hmm. one of many, um, for the rest of your life, if you honor it Mm. and the scriptures are a, a blessing to us and we have to honor them if we want to uh, receive the blessing that, that comes. So and that's what this podcast is all about. And there are going to be uh, weeks that uh, there have been weeks that have been kind of rough for me. I didn't mm-hmm. prepare as much as I wanted. Yeah. And that's, th- th- that's why it's a record. It's yeah. A, and you know, there were, do you think Mormon didn't find some things that were like, well, this wasn't put together very well. <laughs> we, I'm not going to, I'm going to omit that. Right. Yeah. I'm going to put the best, the, the most choice. But he still added some things that uh, were dubious about, like, well, like oh, why, where did that come from? Or why did he choose to include that? Um, so nevertheless, um, this week, uh, we are going to start in chapter 21. But I want to uh, refer back to something last week that I kind of glossed over in chapter 20. And we did, we did talk about it, but I didn't talk about it the same way or or to the extent that I wanted to. And it was when the, it came to the knowledge of Limhi, King Limhi, that some of the Lamanite daughters had been abducted. And he, you know, immediately, I say immediately, he pretty much thought, Hey, uh, this is, it's it's likely that it's my people who did this. So let's go and search my people for mm. some sign, like evidence of their guilt. Gideon, uh, who's kind of his captain, his right-hand man, he says, no, don't do that. <laughs> like, that's, that's an invasion of their privacy. And we could say, well, Kevin, that's sort of, taking our modern day culture and applying it to this culture in the past. I mean, if the the king is going to do what he wants to do, right. 
But the reason I don't think that's true is because of Gideon's response. Gideon's response was, hold your horses. Don't do this. This will hurt your relationship with the people. It will, it, you'll, you'll be like unto King Noah, who kind of just threw his weight around. And so that's the reason that I say there was a, there is a sense of privacy or an invasion of privacy and just a disrespect for his people that Limhi would have done if cooler heads did not prevail. And I don't know why I thought to, to start today with that, but I thought about it earlier this week as I prepared for this episode. And I just wanted to make sure that uh, that was, that was touched on. Um, I'm just looking back. I think it's because it's expedient. Well, yeah, it's definitely expedient. I think it's because afterwards Gideon pointed out that the words of Abinadi had been fulfilled and were being fulfilled. And in a way, you know, understanding that the, the relationship of the people, like we're going to see today that the people do come together. They're, they do become unified uh, through their burdens. And so maybe that's why I wanted to talk about it. But without further ado, unless you have anything to add, Shel. No. Without further ado, let's dive in to chapter 21. Uh, we'll go ahead and it's been a while since we've read a, a chapter heading, I feel like. I think it was like back in chapter 18 that we read the chapter heading, but we've skipped that each time since. So Limhi's people are smitten and defeated by the Lamanites. Limhi's people meet Ammon and are converted. They tell Ammon of the 24 Jaredite plates. So yes, this is coming full circle back to when uh, Ammon first came on the scene and uh, came in contact with Limhi and his people. Yes, and we'll learn more yeah, some about more, that perspective. Some more finer details of that whole thing that happened. So once King Limhi and his people figure things out with the Lamanites, right, they uh, come back to the city of Nephi, and that's what verse one says. And it says, Be and began to dwell in the land again in peace. Um, but we don't know how many days. It just says many days. Uh, after many days, the Lamanites began again to be stirred up in anger to the Nephites or against the Nephites. Um, so I wonder how many days, but I I don't know. You know, anyway, that's just something to think about. But um, Kevin and I talked about this earlier this week. I thought we had talked about it on the podcast. I don't know why, but I guess it was just a conversation we had. But Kevin pointed out um, the definite er, verse three. He said, now they durst not slay them, meaning the Lamanites, not to slay the Nephites because of an oath that King, uh, the King of the Lamanites had made to King Limhi and his people. So, but the thing we were talking about was the word durst and what durst means. And if I remember correctly, durst means dared, like they dared not, right? Right. Come upon the, the Nephites. Because even the Lamanites understand the importance of an oath. Yeah. That's something that they did, you know, along with, you know, perhaps compassion and uh, care for their their daughters, their children. Right. Though that's some of the things that are are good traditions of the Lamanites. But even though they know they can't go kill them, <laughs> right? They they do everything basically but kill them. Unfortunately, which they describe in the scriptures as they would smite them on their cheeks and exercise authority over them began to put heavy burdens upon their backs and drive them as they would a dumb donkey. <laughs> right. Why, why do you think that they're doing that? Why are they 
doing all of the above, smiting them on the cheeks. I think just to show authority. their power and dominion over them. I think it's that simple, like, hey, we can't, because of this oath, we're, we're not going to kill you, but we're still going to keep you in line and show you we have power. And what's another like condition of the oath that was made? Uh, the one half yeah. of everything. The the tribute of one half of all that the one Nephites half. possess. You know, I think there's a lot of deep seated. Like, there's a history between these people. It goes all the way back to like the the real original Nephi and Laman and all the brothers, all the family that you know the lamanites believe that something was stolen from them first their land of their inheritance in jerusalem and then later in the new world or you know in this land mm -hmm. something was taken from them and so not only are they going to impose this tax which is kind of this this form of reparations possibly in their mind but also this treatment because they've been taught that the Nephites are, man, if you, if you let them get too uh, situated, then, yeah, well, and yeah, but like also if, if you let them possess too much, then they're just going to take more and more and more. So. And uh, well, verse four says, all this was done, the word of the Lord might be fulfilled. And that's pretty interesting. Well, tell me more why you think it's interesting. Well, when I first read that, you know, of course, the the prophecies of Abinadi relate here, right? Yes. Where he said... Um, it links to the chapter before, verse 21. Mm -hmm. Do you want to read that? It says, For are not the words of Abinadi fulfilled, which he prophesied against us, and all this because we would not hearken unto the words of the Lord and turn from our iniquities. And, you know, the Lamanites are not necessarily righteous people, right? But the Lord, he's always used, he even uses non-believers, infidel nations to stir up his people, his chosen people to remembrance when they are not remembering and I linked it way back into the Isaiah chapters of second Nephi in chapter 20, where it says, Oh, Assyrian, the rod of mine anger, the staff and the staff in their hand is their indignation. And so the Assyrians were afflicting the people of Israel, but it was really, it was a rod in the hand of the Lord to smite Israel, right? Yeah. Because he was, he was angry with them. Yeah. So, yeah, like, I think the reason that it was so, it's important to mention that is because when we feel that as, even as the Lord's chosen people, if we feel that other people are getting over on us or, or having a, you know, a, when they're afflicting us, it's it's still all in the Lord's plan. Mm -hmm. There's a reason for it. And we're going to see parallels to that later with, with Alma and his people too. So after that verse, I was going to skip it, honestly, but I'm glad we didn't because it, it is important. But going on to the following verses, like 5, 6, 7, 8 forward, um, the Nephites, because they're under such burdens from the Lamanites, they they just can't take it anymore. And they're complaining to King Limhi about it, um, I imagine, a lot. <laughs> because the king finally gives in and says, all right, do what you want to do about this. Um, and at the end of verse 6, he says that they should do according to their desires. So they then decided they're going to go up to battle the Lamanites because they can't take these grievances anymore, right? They're like, we'd rather 
fight and then do this, which they're breaking an oath, right? That is correct. So here they are breaking an oath and they go and they try to battle the Lamanites and they fail. Okay. The Lamanites overpower them. And then it says there's a bunch of mourning that takes place because a lot of the men died. Okay. And a lot of people are widows now and don't have brothers, don't have husbands, all the stuff. So they, they're, they're sad. Right. And it's interesting because then again, even though all this has taken place, it says, and it did come, came to pass, this is verse 11, that their continual cries did stir up the remainder of the people of Lamhai to anger against the Lamanites. So they get mad that all this happened <laughs> and they go to battle again, even after they've lost all these people and they fail again. And then they go again a third time. Okay. So not one, but two, but three times these people go to battle the Lamanites. So just to go back a little bit, okay, I want to talk about Limhi's, um, he, he, when the people came and complained to him about the situation, he granted unto them that they should do according to their desires. And that's, you know, from what we see now that they keep going up against the Lamanites again and again and being defeated, driven back. You know, that was that was a poor leadership decision on Limhi's part, and so he's he's you know, and he's still a young man, right? Yeah, but also King Limhi is dealing with these afflictions too. Like he's beat down, he's he's sore too. Yeah. So, so I mean, at some point, I think of him as a parent in a way. Like you're so tired, and you're just like, yes, do what you want. You know, you don't care. Because he's also suffering too. And maybe he at the time he thinks that's the best way. Right. Well, so I just want to defend him a little bit. Not that you're attacking him. But, I mean, his leadership is not par right now because he's also suffering. That's fair. It says in verse 5, there was no way that they could deliver themselves out of the hands of the Lamanites. And yet they try to rely on their own strength. And this is all culminating at a point where they do have to turn on the Lord, hum humble themselves and turn to the Lord. And that's what comes after the third and final, you know, battle between the, the Lamanites and them. It says in verse 10, a great fear of the Lamanites had come upon them. And that's interesting. They're fearing the Lamanites when they should be fearing God, right? But they do continually cry, as you were saying. Mm -hmm. um, but they're crying out of fear for the Lamanites. Right. Um, after they suffered in like manner, in verse 12, then in verse 13, they did humble themselves even to the dust. <laughs> Shelby, have you ever felt humbled even to the dust? Um, <laughs> I, Not, I, notwithstanding earlier today. <laughs> I don't know if I felt like no. dust. Um, but I don't, I, honestly, I don't know if I've ever felt so humbled to, to that extent. But I have been humbled. You know what I'm saying? But the reason, I mean, the word dust, it refers to King Benjamin's speech to the people saying that ye are less than the dust of the earth because even the dust of the earth obeys God. Right. And since we are agents unto ourselves, <laughs> sometimes we are not like the dust in obeying God. So I think that's what that's intended to feel. So I guess then, yes. I have been humbled even to the dust. I've definitely been humbled. I just to the needed dust. to talk through the definition of dust. Yeah. To understand it. Because I was thinking something else in my mind, but then when I talked it through, it was okay. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah. So in the depths of humility, as it says in verse 14, they cried mightily to God. So they stopped crying because of their afflictions. They stopped their lamentation because of the death of their men. But they saw that something else was going on, that, that they had a spiritual deficit. Right. Right. And so, and, and all the day long did they cry unto their God that they would deliver them out of their afflictions. It says in verse 15 that the Lord was slow to hear their cry because of their iniquities. So that's a really important principle that if you've been performing iniquity for so long, even if you do come to a realization that you need to repent and you cry to the Lord, he's not always going to immediately deliver you out of your, your bad situation. Mm-hmm. Right. And it says it was slow to hear their cry. Not that he didn't hear their cry. And nevertheless, the Lord did hear their cries and began to soften the hearts of the Lamanites that they began to ease their burdens. But at this point, it was still not expedient that they were delivered out of bondage. And I believe that is largely because they still needed to learn something, right? Mm -hmm. They still had more to learn. Agreed. And from that point of their humility and crying to the Lord, um, what I like about this in verse 16 is it says they began to prosper by degrees. So when the Lord does answer their prayers, it's not immediately he fixes every problem and it's solved. It is slowly but surely one by one problems begin to be solved um, or burdens become lightened. Um, And they things like raising grain, more herd and flocks. They're not hungry anymore. Things like that. Right. Because those were their burdens. Sounds like a little Maslow's hierarchy of needs going on there. Yeah, we talk about that a lot, don't we? <laughs> Look it up. We're not going to talk about it today, but it does sound like it. <laughs> um, also, if you hear a hissing, <laughs> that is our dinner cooking. And of course, it stops right now. Yeah. Sorry, y'all. You know, I just want to mention that this is a legit record. You know, we're not, <laughs> this isn't like a podcast studio. And sometimes you're going to hear things, but it's really cool because. If you are our friends or family or the people who listen to this in the generations to come, <laughs> you're going to have this little snapshot into Kevin and Shelby's lives that is very precious. And just in case you're wondering, that's some chicken cooking in the Instapot. <laughs> right. Okay. So we don't go hungry. Um, we digress. Go but- ahead. There's at this point there's still because because of all the battles um, that happened. <laughs> I mean, let's be real; they went three times. Um, there's still a lot of widows, and so there's certain things set into place by King Limhi that um, basically every man it says every man should impart to the support of their of the widows and their children, and, so that way they're not hungry. And what wisdom, right? Right on on the part of King Limhi. So. After coming unto God, or at least, you know, being preserved by God, he's able to, you know, be more wise. Now he's being a good, a a good leader. Well, yeah, his needs are being met too. So you keep saying that. I mean, I'm I'm not going to fight you on that. I'm just going to say that. Well, you operate better. I, I totally get it. I totally understand. So he can think a little bit clearer. I appreciate. He's in fight. They were in fight, flight, or freeze, and they fought three times. Okay. <laughs> they realized that's not how you do it. <laughs> and they figured it out, right? They humbled themselves. It's something to, you know, apply to your own life. No, you're, you're 100% right. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, so Limhi, he gathers everybody well it says now the people of Limhi kept together in a body as much as it was possible and secured their grain and their flocks which implies something that's about to come in the following verses because why it hasn't really said why he needs to secure 
their flocks and grains. Mm. Um, and it's because King, the King Limhi doesn't trust the people basically that aren't his, <laughs> like outside the city. Um, and so he causes, like he himself doesn't feel safe if he doesn't have his guards because he thinks he might fall into the hands of the Lamanites or um, even these, the, the priests of Noah that are still out in the wilderness. Yeah, they're know? not accounted for they're yet. They're not accounted for. So he's worried. And so he sets up these things that they can watch because it does say in verse 21, um, for they were desirous to take them, meaning the Lamanites, I think, and the priest of Noah, right? That they might punish them for they had come into the land of Nephi by night and carried off their grain and many of their precious things. Therefore they laid wait for them. So the, the Kings, I'm sorry, not the Kings, the priest of Noah are coming in and taking their grain and their flock, which is why in verse 18, he tries to keep everybody together to protect that and said guards. Yeah. He's, he's taken a page out of, his grandfather's book, Zenith, mm -hmm. where he's establishing some security in the land and protecting the people. And when he goes somewhere, he takes enough men with him, unlike his dad did, who is always sending too few people. Yeah. Yeah. So then there's no more disturbance between the Lamanites and the people of Limhi. So at this point, I think they're only, well, no more disturbance, meaning I think there's no more ruckus like going on, right? Like the yeah. Lamanites are still there, but they're not trying to fight each other anymore. Right. Um, and then this brings us up to the point of Ammon, right? Yeah. Coming back and integrating. We know Ammon's side of the story from first lots of chapters earlier. Now we're going to see an integration of a story from yeah. the perspective of King Limhi. And Ammon, and I believe 15 of his brothers or brethren. Mm -hmm. uh, we'd have to go back and cite that, but I'm pretty sure it was 15 of them. Uh, they came into the land because they were searching, right? Mm -hmm. King Mosiah, as requested from his people in Zarahemla, said, hey, let's go find these people who left all these years back. Mm -hmm. Let's bring them back into the fold. And so Ammon and his brethren, they come down. But now we understand why King Limhi had them seized and put into prison and bound. Right, because anybody who was not his people is a threat. Right? Correct. You can't just trust anybody coming in there. I mean, they, they've been tra traumatized. Okay. They Good have point. Some, they have some issues, some trust issues. But they, don't we all? So it's okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they supposed them to be priests of Noah. So they were planning to kill him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and luckily when they found out in verse 24, that they were not, uh, but they were their brethren that came from the land of Zarahemla, they were filled with exceedingly great joy. Mm. And how joyous would that be? You know, you're, you're here in this land. You've tried to, get out before like there were other attempts right. and it talks about when they sent previous to the coming of Ammon a small number of men to search for the land of Zarahemla but they could not find it and they were lost in the wilderness um, instead they found a land which had been peopled yea a land which was covered with dry bones yea a land that had been peopled and which had been destroyed and they, having supposed it to be the land of Zarahemla, returned to the land of Nephi, having arrived in the borders of the land not many days before the coming of Ammon. So there's a little divine design there. I was going to say that. That's pretty cool that King Limhi sent out some people and they get there a little bit before Ammon. And it's almost like, man, all hope is lost. We couldn't find the land of Zarahemla. There's dried bones. They did find records, though, there. We learned that in the next couple Verses, but at least they found that. So there is some hope, but they can't read them. <laughs> right. That's the thing. They're like, we don't know how to read them. And Limhi was desirous to learn what was on these plates. I linked it back to chapter eight mm -hmm. when we first met uh, King mm -hmm. Limhi and Ammon, for that matter. 
Uh, he asked, knowest thou of anyone that can translate? For I'm desirous that these records should be translated. For perhaps they will give us a knowledge of a remnant of the people who had been destroyed. Um, I'm den- I, I, he says, I'm desirous to know the cause of their destruction. You know, he he wants to figure out maybe what befell them so he can prevent it for his own people, maybe. Right. So it's divine design because then a couple of days later, Ammon comes and it's like, wait, all hope is not lost. And it's cool because this divine design is happening as soon or it's in the works, but it does happen pretty soon after they humble themselves and repent. Yeah, go figure. You know, all you got to do is get back on the path, okay? But it takes humility. Um, Yeah. So anyway, Ammon learns, well, you already talked about verse 28, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Ammon talks and does tell Limhi about uh, King Mosiah, who has the gift of God to interpret. The records. Correct. Ammon empathizes with them and his brethren. They were filled with much sorrow because so many of their brethren had been slain, referring to all these wars that had occurred. They also um, learned about King Noah and his priest, and they're, they're saddened that they had caused so many to commit sin and iniquity, and they also mourn the loss of Abinadi. Um, and yeah. And then, therefore, because we know what came of Abinadi was Alma and his people departed, too. So they they don't know where they are. And so they're kind of, they're sad about that. There's a lot of things they come in and, and yes, they're happy to find a people, but they're sad to learn the history of the people. You know, I wanted to bring something up. It just came to my mind because my mind immediately went back to early members of the church in this dispensation where what if they learned of the church just after the death of the prophet Joseph Smith Mm. and how sad would that have been? Like, I never even had a chance to go and meet him or I never had a a chance to really, you know, what does this mean? You know, prophet is dead. Um, And then I thought about also that we have, well, there was something else I was going to say. Let me read this again. Can I say something yes. while you're reading? So that reminded me of when I got to my mission mm. just two weeks prior, Elder Holland had been there. <laughs> and I was like, why did he have to come two weeks before I got to the field? You know, when I was in the MTC, he was at my mission. But what's cool was that there was a record left of Elder Holland's mm-hmm. words where I got to read it as if I had been there in that mission at that time, because that was my mission. So, yeah. And it, just it's, like the early saints, they had record of Joseph and his words and yeah. things. They had, not only did they have the doctrine and covenants, right? Which mm-hmm. uh, revelation from God for them specifically in the latter days, but they also had the book of Mormon, which again, revelation for them in the latter days. I yeah. mean, and then later on, they would have uh, another prophet. And then it's almost as if I had been there. Right? Yeah. Or they had been there. Or knew Joseph. That, that is the atonement of Jesus Christ in action, mm-hmm. right? In, in application. Something that doesn't seem fair, but is made right through the grace of God. Mm-hmm. So... Where are we? 32-ish? <laughs> yeah, 30, 31, 32. Um, it, it says that since the departure of Alma, um, because they, they did not know where they went, mm-hmm. they would have gladly joined them. For they themselves, this is the people of Nephi, King Lemhine's people, for they had themselves had entered into a covenant with God to serve him and keep his commandments. You know, they, they didn't have a church necessarily at this time. It wasn't established like Alma had done, but they were preparing themselves to 
enter into uh, a covenant. They they had made a covenant, which I'm sure was sort of a a spiritual um, commitment commitment, and they were they would have been glad to follow Alma and his people. Right. They were desirous to be baptized. Right. So, which is so, and this is interesting. Did they know about baptism before? Surely, right? They knew about baptism from before, but, or they had record of it maybe, or did it, how did they figure it out? Is it that they heard that Alma was baptizing people after the fact, and they understood that this was a sign, you know, a, a sort of sign of the covenant that the people had made? Very interesting. Or, <laughs> If, you know, before I go on too long, or is it that Ammon explained to them baptism? That's a great question. Um, I feel like because in verse 31, it says now they would have gladly joined with them. They, for they themselves had entered, like entered is past tense into a covenant with God to serve him and keep his commandments makes me think that it had to have been before Abinadi. I mean, I'm sorry, before um, Ammon and his brethren come. Okay. I don't think Ammon taught them. Well, and and I think you're right. It it said, but there was none in verse two to three after it says they were desirous to be baptized. Mm -hmm. Um, But there was none in the land that had authority from God. So that gives us more context clues that they had to have learned about Alma and his people and this covenant of baptism after Alma and his people had been gone. Right. I mean, they had priests. Possibly. I mean, even King, King Zenith, Zenith, uh, you know, appointed priests who had authority. Noah had priests though. They exercised, you know, unrighteous dominion with their authority, meaning they had none in effect. So I I think maybe something to ponder, something to ponder, something to study, because I've always wondered how established were the ordinances of the gospel in the land of Zarahemla. I think we're going to learn that coming up when Alma gets up there and when Alma the younger also begins doing things like, I definitely think that we'll know more about that later. It's just, I mean, we know that baptism, I mean, uh, has been going on since the very beginning. Adam was baptized, mm-hmm. right? So baptism is not new, but it does, as as apostasies occur and dispensations end, knowledge is lost. Mm-hmm. So the plain and precious things are lost. So who knows exactly how much the the people of King Limhi really knew at this time. Like, but but they knew enough. And they were being nourished and given these principles again if they ever had lost them. Because they became desirous. They and then uh, they understood that there was no authority to do the baptizing. And then if I may move on to this la- the latter part of this verse in verse 33. Ammon declined baptizing them, considering himself an unworthy servant. We talked about this earlier today. How it's like, why, why did he do that? Mm-hmm. Seems like a good guy. <laughs> right? Yeah, but I like what you said that Ammon, like in the sense of today, coming in. To a con- so say he's a bishop of another ward, like put it in this context, Ammon's a bishop of another ward, comes across this congregation or wanting to be a congregation. He doesn't necessarily have the authority or the keys to set up that congregation right. or whatever. So unworthy could be unworthy in the sense of I'm not authorized. Yeah. Like uh, maybe he might be worthy to hold the priesthood, which I think he is. Um he has come in and all these things. Yeah. I think it's unworthy in the sense that I don't have the dominion or the authority here. Um, so if I did that, it would be unworthy. Right. Of me. Because it's Alma. 
Alma yeah. is the appointed representative of the Lord right. for these people. He's he's the one who potentially has now, the keys. There's no scriptural evidence of what we just said. No. There's nothing to back that up. So I just want to point that out that it's not doctrine. We're all, yeah, we're only using we're, context yes. from our day and, and maybe there's something we're missing, so please let us know if so. But I just want to point that out that that's not everything we've talked about has been in the scriptures or has been doctrine except that comment we just made. <laughs> just want to make that clear. I mean, and but to keep to the scriptures here in verse 34, it says because there was no one in the land that had authority, Ammon declined doing the thing. At this time, they did not form themselves into a church waiting, waiting upon, upon the spirit of the Lord. And uh, I wrote in my margins, the Lord's people have to get good at waiting. Unfortunately. Yeah. I'm not even good at that. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we know they're desirous. They want to be baptized. And we will learn about that. It says that an account will be given hereafter. Um, but, yeah, so now at this point, it says 36. And now all the study of Ammon and his people and King Limhi and his people was to deliver themselves out of the hands of the Lamanites and Lamanites and from bondage. So all their thoughts, all their resources are going toward getting Bam. out. Let's get out. So let's find out how they get out. Right? <laughs> That's right. Chapter 22. Let's read the heading. Plans are made for the people to escape from Lamanite bondage. The Lamanites are made drunk. The people escape, return to Zarahemla, and become subject to the King Mosiah. I do want to say my Book of Mormon headings are not up to date. <laughs> These are old scriptures. So I don't know if it says anything different. But I'm going to be completely honest. I actually zoned out while you were reading. Oh, the... okay. <laughs> That's fine. I zoned I just, out. It's because earlier it when sounded... you read it, yeah. um, the thing that was different was it says they meet Ammon. And are uh -huh. converted. But in the new the updated ones, it says the people of Limhi meet Ammon. Okay. Yeah. So there's little yeah. things like that. that makes small, anyway. small so differences in the headings. are made. I just wanted to say small differences in the headings, not in the actual oh, body of scripture. Yeah. Sorry. I thought I said that. You, pr you probably did. I just wanted to clarify. reiterate. Yeah. Clarify. So, without further ado, let's dive in to uh, the next chapter. It's a short one, so we'll 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 be able to get through it. So they gather everybody, everybody, as the Lord's people are wont to do, and they do it. I like it. it says, and this they did that they might have the voice of the people concerning the matter. Yeah. So they involve everybody because they all want to get out, right? They've clearly tried before. And they could, I like this. It says, and it came to pass that they could find no way. Okay, because remember in verse 5 of chapter 21, it says, and there was no way they could deliver themselves out of the hands of the Lamanites. So again, a repetition of the word, but they could find no way to deliver themselves out of bondage, but it changes this time, except it were to take their women and their children and their flocks and their herds and their tents and depart into the wilderness. Once again, the Lord's people always fleeing into wilderness for the Lamanites begin, or sorry, being numerous, it was impossible for the people of Lamhi to contend with them thinking to deliver themselves out of bondage by the sword. Yeah, so they, they clearly have learned their lesson that we cannot fight them off because we lose. <laughs> right? Right. So at least they learned a lesson there after three times. Which and, sometimes that's what it takes. And now our, our man Gideon steps up. I'm just going to say this now. I want to be like Gideon when I grow up. <laughs> I told Kevin that earlier. He goes to King Limhi. He says, now, O king, this is kind of funny. He says, now, O king, thou hast hitherto hearkened unto my words many times when we have been contending with our brethren, the Lamanites. Right. He's he's his military right. advisor. He's a right hand man. And so he says, now, O king, if thou hast not found me to be an unprofitable servant or 
if thou hast hitherto listened to my words in any degree, and they have been of service to thee, which all those things are true, right? He's not been an unprofitable servant. He's listened to his words in degrees. He's been, they've been of service to the king. So it's kind of, he's like, Gideon's a good influencer. Right. Good uh, persuasion skills. Right. He's like, listen, don't try to pretend that in the past I haven't had some good ideas. <laughs> Even so, I desire that thou wouldst listen to my words at this time, and I will be thy servant and deliver this people out of bondage. Just a stud. And King Limhi, he's, he's listening to him as he has in the past, permits him to speak. Uh, Gideon brings up this back pass through the back wall on the back side of the city. Um, and now it's still being guarded, but by night, Gideon knows that the Lamanite guards are drunk, right? He says, therefore, let us send a proclamation among all this people that they gather together their flocks and herds, that they may drive them into the wilderness by night. And I will go according to thy command and pay the last tribute of wine to the Lamanites to ensure that they'll be drunk. <laughs> and we will pass through the secret pass on the left of their camp when they're drunken and asleep. And so he's got this strategy. He's got this plan. And it's it's sound. And so... Uh, I just want to point out a few things about Gideon. Yeah. First of all... Admits like the craziness of the battles, somehow he has to have been observing uh, the Lamanites and the guards and the patterns of behavior. Um, and he finds a weakness, okay? And he plays on that weakness, not for the benefit of himself, right? But for the benefit of other people um, to be free from this bondage. So he has good intentions. And so he's probably inspired obviously by the light of Christ because they haven't been baptized um, to, you know, let's, let's get these people, let's get the Lamanites drunk and let's flee when they're all passed out and they can't defend themselves. So it's, it's and, just very insightful of Gideon and his leadership skills and observing and all that. And it's very sound. I mean, Varric and Limhi like, why do we think of this first? But everything's expedient in its order and its time because Ammon and his brethren had to be there and, you know, all these things. For sure. Because obviously this was formulating or else I think Gideon would have presented it maybe a long time ago. <laughs> right. So. I wanted to mention you said something. I don't remember what you said in the middle of all that. But uh, not to mention one of the benefits is that there's no... There's no need to contend with the Lamanites. They're not going to lose any life yeah. in this exit strategy. Right. So it's a win-win. And, and so... And then they escape. They do. They, they go out. They uh, are pursued. But after being uh, many days in the wilderness... Mm -hmm. Oh, excuse me. They, it doesn't talk about them being pursued. It says in verse 12, they pursued their journey. Uh, they brought everything with them that they need, their precious things, their gold. It. I do want to back up. It does say they pursued. It's just in verse 16. Right. I, yeah. I'm, I'm jumping ahead because I, oh, I, I saw the word pursued in 12, and I thought that it was referring to the pursuit. That's going to come in just a minute. But uh, everything goes according to plan, and after many days in verse 13, they arrived in the land of Zarahemla and are joined Mosiah's people and became his subjects. And what's interesting, I'm not sure if it says it. I thought it said it, but I, I just thought to myself, I highlighted and became his subjects. You know, King, King Limhi, he was put into a position of leadership and sure, he was he was the son of a king, so that might have been in his future anyway. But he was more like a figurehead, meaning like he was a leader without re any real power or authority in the grand 
scheme of things because the Lamanites had their their thumb on his people. And so, you know, I kind of feel like Limhi was so glad to give up that, you know, I, I don't want to be the king. I Maybe I never wanted to be the king, and I definitely didn't want to be the king in these circumstances. I did the best I could, um, and now we're subjects to King Mosiah, who is the the Lord's anointed, right? Of course, I'm I'm totally just reading between the lines. That's totally my interpretation. But uh, you know, instead of King Limhi keeping some measure of authority, he was happy to be subject to a king. And there's humility there, which he learned in his afflictions. And so uh, he's, in my opinion, he's redeemed. You know, he's learned and Limhi's a good guy. Anyway, he is a good guy. They, Mosiah receives them with joy. They receive the records. They're excited. And um, back to the Lamanites, what happened to them, right? They were drunk at night. Well, I'm assuming they wake up and they find everybody gone. (laughs) And they're like, oh, no. And so they send an army into the wilderness to pursue them. And this is what Kevin was talking about earlier, what he thought it was. They pursue them for about two days and they couldn't follow their tracks anymore. And then they were lost in the wilderness. So um, they escaped. They came out of bondage. Such a long story, but they they got there. (laughs) Yeah, kind of a roller coaster, right? Yeah. How many roller coasters have you had in your life? You know, (laughs) we get it. So... That's it for this week. Next week, we actually go a little bit back. Again, there's all these, these you go forward and then you go back and you go forward. And it's all this, these several records of the several groups of people all can, um, like all, book. right, all heading to the same direction though. Right. And we're going to be able to compare what happened to the people of Limhi to the people who are with Alma because they both have similar situations. They both have similar afflictions, Mm -hmm. but there's a few important things that we can, we can notice as we study the scriptures between the people who were quick to repent and those who waited to repent. And so we'll, we'll dive deep into that next week. Um, Shelby, no last thoughts. Nope. I think we, we thoroughly got through these chapters. I'm really, I'm excited. I'm excited to get back to Alma too. Really excited. Um, but yeah. We'll see y'all next week. Thanks for episode 86. Right. It was today 86. Okay. (laughs) My brain. (laughs) All right, y'all. Have Have a good one. Good night. Bye.